0: My name is Grace Hope and I'm your host. And this week, friends, I am so excited. We have Brene Washington, who is this amazing author of a great book called The Steam Queens. So before we jump into the interview, I just want to give you guys a little quick bio of Brene Washington. So Brene Washington is an IT professional with a passion for philanthropy Innovation and education. She's a product development manager for MasterCard's cybersecurity and intelligence team, where she develops world class security products for customers across the globe. Growing up, Renee excelled in math and science, but often questioned her abilities because she did not see girls who shared her interests. Despite the lack of representation with the support of her family and teachers, she found the strength to take the road less traveled. Washington started her career in MasterCard in 2012. After graduating with an engineer degree for the Missouri University of Science and Technology. After starting her career in IT, she quickly realized the lack of diversity in STEM and STEAM and was still a serious issue. This motivated her to make a difference. And in 2018, Washington published her first children's book, The STEAM Queens. So Brene Washington, welcome to Teacher's Philosophy
1: hey grace thank you so much for having me i am really excited to be here i am excited to have you on here as well so as i said friends
0: i'm excited to have this wonderful guest if you guys don't know i'm reposting this on my instagram so you guys can go get your own copy especially for my teacher friends who love science and children's book which i do right i'm gonna ask you a question where did this idea i know i touched about it in your introduction but Where did this idea of this children's book come from? Like, was it one of those aha moments? Has it always been a lingering idea like in the back of your head?
1: Yeah, so there are a few different reasons why this idea kind of came to fruition. I've always wanted to write a children's book. Like, I've always had a really creative side that I've always wanted to explore, but I had this fear that I wouldn't be able to bring it to life because I don't know how to draw. And the illustration piece was always something scary for me, but... Growing up, I just struggled really finding encouragement and finding representation that, you know, would help me become the person that I am today. And looking back and seeing so many girls and still seeing that there's so many gaps, I wanted to provide a resource. And it really was fueled when I had my first niece, because I really felt a personal connection and wanting to make sure she had the things that she needed to be able to think STEAM is cool and want to go down those career paths, kind of similar to what I did. So, you know, it came from just the passion of the arts and then a personal motivation, you know, from a family connection. And then, you know, wanting to make sure every girl had that feeling because they may not have an aunt to be able to expose them, but I wanted to give them something as well. That's awesome to have a cool aunt like that as well, too. Like
0: my aunt's an awesome, like scientist and an author, which is great clout to say as, you know, an aunt. My nieces are like, yeah, my aunt, she's a teacher. <laughs> she gets the stickers. I just want to touch about because you said about and the representation, which I think is big. Like you said, growing up, you know, a lot of the books that I saw growing up were predominantly a lot of white kids. But it's true. Like, and I growing up as a white person myself, I was never really curvy to it you know what I mean I just didn't see that like you know what I mean like I just I guess I wasn't educated that way in terms of like oh look at this look at that because my parents just said oh this is how it is you know like because my parents being immigrants from Europe they were English as a second language so when they're reading these books I never questioned those those stories and I never questioned the characters or the people behind the stories like the one story I can think of that represent that I can say is like is a great author which is Robert Munch the dragon and the princess right Mhm. And in that story you have this white little girl with blonde hair who's fighting the dragon, right? And I just I always saw like the representation of a white girl with blonde hair and that's how I thought that's how it is. And now that I'm a teacher, sitting here and I look at my classroom and I look at the diversity of it, it's like, oh my gosh, the lack of representation is phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate and like you said the focus is not just because we want to put black kids or you know diverse kids or diverse people in the forefront over anybody else. The real important thing is that it makes a difference in the lives of kids. If you see a little black girl open up a book with someone that looks like her, it changes how they feel about the world and their outlook on things. Because when we see other protagonists continue to get the spotlight in those different spaces, it makes it normal and it makes it seem like that's the only option and kids Mm -hmm internalize that and so something as simple as just having them represented in a story or on a TV show or their voices heard can make so much of a big difference so it was really important for me to make sure that my character was an African American girl that she had those features of curly kinky hair and you know that girls could really resonate with her and I was really intentional about the illustrations that I actually sought out an African American illustrator who happens to be a woman and she is phenomenal And so that's also something I'm really proud about the book because I feel like she was really able to bring an authentic perspective to my characters.
0: That's one thing I I am such a sucker for again, children's books and illustration, and the illustration is absolutely beautiful, and the colors and everything, and just the little girls in it, and she is just absolutely adorable, the character. And it's funny because you said that because you do see it, and again, going back to where I teach. in terms of the minority work, I'm the only white person in my classroom and the rest, I have kids of different ethnic backgrounds. And it's so true to see the children's faces because for them to see a role model or somebody like them actually inspire them to do something and how you represent that in the story is amazing because it's great to see representation, but not only representation, it's a positive representation. It's not a stereotype that unfortunately, a lot of books sometimes or stories will throw together and it's always the quote unquote best friend or they're never the center. The protagonist is never real person you know, the color. In yep. this story, the protagonist is this young girl who's this young
1: African-American girl who has her other friends, but she is the main character, which is amazing to see. And we also to celebrate diversity because we know African-Americans, we definitely are a minority, but there are also a lot of other minorities that, you know, we want to celebrate as well. So in the book, you'll see a lot of different little girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, the focus is definitely on little Ivy, who happens to be the main character and just celebrating her leadership in the space and how she's kind of working to get all of her friends this amazing title of being called the Sting Queens and how they're working together to do that. So I think. I think it was really strong messaging to show her as kind of the catalyst, but also bringing her friends along with her. Did you get this inspiration from your niece? I did. Yeah. <laughs> He teaches me so much. It's like you always want to think that you're the role model and the teacher as the adult. But the little ones are wise beyond their years. And yeah. my niece is so inclusive. I love kind of exposing her to all different backgrounds and diversities just so that she is a well-rounded person. And her perspective and outlook about people and just how innocent her outlook is makes you want to, you know, do better. So she she's mm-hmm. an inspiration for me in a lot of different areas.
0: That's so wonderful to hear that because I think as adults, we kind of forget how what it is like to be a child and see the eyes through a child. And especially because we can get bitter and jaded. And just to have that moment where you can humble you and kind of ground you again, which is so great because they do. And I do get a lot of inspiration from my students. And they remind me that why I am teaching and why I'm there. And they just kind of like, we you know when I'm frustrated and I just kind of said, I'm like, nope. And I look at how they, behave with each other and they forget like they'd be angry one second, but they don't let it take control of their day. They just like, okay, I'm angry right now, but I'm gonna let it go. And two seconds later, they're having a fight with their friends, but five minutes later, they're hugging it out again. Okay. And I think we gotta learn a lot from students and from children. Yes. Absolutely. Who were the teachers that inspired you? Again, so, you know, I want to go back to when you were a little girl and you looked at yourself as a girl. I know you always liked science. It was science Always forefront at home, like were you exposed to science at your home, or was it something that you found a passion not in organically at school?
1: Yeah, so that is really the bane of my existence and why I became an <laughs> engineer. <laughs> to be honest, I tell this story all the time. I really stumbled into steam. It was not a focus for me. I was always good in math and science, and I didn't even know it. Like I won a bike. For my standard assessment tests in elementary school for my math score, I had the highest math score. And I was just oh, wow. like, oh, I have a new bike. <laughs> um, but then when I started to go to junior high school, I had a teacher. Her name was Miss Sanford, and she really picked up on how gifted I was in that space. And she started to expose me to things like colleges and career paths and just people who were in those career paths that looked like me or maybe someone that graduated from my school, you know, that had gone on to be this success story for our community. And she would just share those things with me and it started to get me thinking differently. I really hadn't had a focus on college. I didn't really think past high school until she started to expose me to different colleges that were closed and where I could use my science and math skills to kind of turn that into a career. So one day she introduced me to my school, Missouri University of Science and Technology, and it is the premier school in my area for engineering and it's extremely hard to get into. And so she kind of motivated me so much that I felt like I could do anything. And then when I started to share that with other people that I was interested in that school, they would kind of tear me down or not even trying to, but they would say discouraging things and it kind of made me question myself. Eventually I turned that kind of doubt into like fuel. And I was motivated to prove everybody wrong. So I'm like, I'm going to that school. I'm going to get my engineering degree. And I just got this laser focus. And, you know, my counselors really rallied around me and helped me to get into the school, made sure I was prepared. And the rest is history. So without amazing teachers, my family valued education, but I don't think they really knew the opportunity or the options that were out there, but without those awesome teachers, you Mm -hmm. know, I think my perspective in my life would probably be a lot different.
0: Wow, that's so great to hear. There are good teachers and that's the reason why I'm a teacher because I had great experiences. Not all the best because growing up myself, I have a learning disability. I was diagnosed with dyslexia. You know, school was a bit of a struggle, but I had amazing teachers who supported me because they saw that I was determined and passionate and that I loved education, even though here I am with an individual who has a barrier that I had overcome, but I still had the passion and they realized like, no, unfortunately, people just view a learning disability as they think you're stupid, unfortunately, yeah. right? But my teacher's like, no, you're not stupid. You have a neurological disorder. And they're the ones who pointed out and showed me so many great other historian figures like, you know, Albert Einstein. JFK like all these great innovators and like thinkers of our time were also dyslexic themselves and it was my teacher who showed me like no you know Albert Einstein was dyslexic and that was just kind of like but he is known as one of the world's smartest people who helped figure out so much of what we use in science today and because of his teacher she inspired me and pushed me to where I am today as a teacher and like yes you do have some bad apples in the bunch But it is great to hear yourself to talk about how a teacher
1: inspired you and a teacher inspired me to be where I am today. Yeah. Teachers are amazing. Yeah. (laughs) People look at me. I'm an engineer and they're like, oh, my God, you're so amazing. But I have done student teaching. I did student teaching when I was in college and I have a lot of amazing friends who are educators and you guys truly don't get the recognition you deserve because you spend so much time with children and shaping the leaders of tomorrow. And, you know, it is work. It's almost like an extension of family. It is extremely impressionable. What you say to those kids makes a difference in their lives. And I mean, you see from I'm living proof, it can change the trajectory of their lives. So thank you all for all you do.
0: (laughs) Well, and I was going to ask my next, you know, lead up question is like, what advice would you give for teachers, for students who, regardless if it's science or arts or whatever, like, what would you say a great a piece of advice to give to the teacher to listen to this podcast that maybe they feel defeated in teaching because of political climates or whatever it is, but maybe you can give us advice or something you can help teachers with?
1: Yeah, I think. One of the biggest things I would say is to just continue being a positive light and continue to expose children to different perspectives. Um, Because what I've seen is you don't necessarily have someone to always introduce you to things that you may not know. Like Mm -hmm. I said, a lot of families, it's not that they don't want to introduce those things, but it's more so that they may not know themselves. Teachers have such a valuable lens and kind of know what students need to be successful. And sometimes they question that. But I feel like, you know, in the right way, if it's presented in the right way, just expose them to as many things as you can that are positive because students really listen. They absorb those things. And I know it's challenging in the different climates. You do have to be very careful with some things, but speak positively, Mm -hmm. but also be genuine and be open. Sometimes we have to learn hard lessons. It's just the way that they're presented to us. So if there are some things that a lesson that needs to be learned that may not be sunshine and rainbows, trust that the students are able to kind of take those messages in when they're presented in the right way and that they're responsible enough to be able to kind of understand that dialogue. Well, okay, that's that's really good advice because a lot
0: of times, like I said, some teachers just feel sometimes defeated and just to know that, yeah, we do make a difference sometimes and we just got to be careful and we got to be patient and we got to, you know, take in consideration why we get into teaching. I think a lot of us sometimes do forget, especially when teaching for a while, mm-hmm. some teachers do get a little bit jaded. And so, like, I think it's good to hear somebody like yourself who got inspired by a teacher to help inspire you to where you are today is a good motivation for teachers to remember why we got into it to begin with.
1: Yeah.
0: I think it's great. Thank you so much. That's amazing. Okay. So another question talking about teachers, did you have anyone specifically as a role model while growing up that there was maybe into science that you kind of like said, like, okay, that's what I want to do. And I know you said math, you didn't really know you were good at math until you're at school, but as you got older and became cognizant of it, did you find anybody that you were able to relate to that you found as a role model?
1: You know what? Unfortunately, I didn't. Like, I can't think back to any strong role models that I carry with throughout my life. Because like I said, I just didn't see any at the mm-hmm. time like me. What I can say is that my mother was a really great role model for me. My mother was an entrepreneur. She had a home daycare for a lot of time while I was growing up. So I knew I've always loved children, but I had to find my way to how I was going to give back to children in a certain capacity. And I think the book does that for me. But having a mother who was a role model, single parent, really struggled to give the best for her children, but didn't necessarily know some of the right ways when it came to education and different things like that. Mm -hmm. I saw her work ethic and I wanted to take that and translate it. But I also had skills that she didn't necessarily value as much that I wanted to grow in my own right. So I would say my teachers, honestly, were the ones that I looked up to and I didn't really have those role models. So that's why it's important for me now being who I am and kind of having so many opportunities in the STEM space and tech. It's really important for me now to give a face to those jobs and opportunities for little girls that are growing up today. Absolutely. And I was going to ask because
0: being in a cyber industry where it's very male dominated how did you
1: find and as a female of color like to go into something like that did you have apprehensions or hesitations absolutely it didn't start with my career you know it started in my college i grew up in a predominantly african-american community Um, And then my college was a predominantly white university. So engineering is just a predominantly white male-dominated space. So, of course, that's what the landscape looked like at a top engineering school. It was extremely intimidating. I would... Be in classes with people and get picked last for partnerships or assignments. I don't necessarily think it was always because I was a woman or just because I was black, but I think it also, one of those two things always has some part in the decisioning. And you would meet people where you'll work great together in partnerships and study hall, and then you see them in the cafeteria and they don't even recognize you or don't acknowledge you. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was a challenge, but I always saw great people. I saw the good in people as well. I had a lot of great friends that would encourage me. A lot of women, whether they were black or white, you know, at my university, we really stuck together and worked together. And then we had a small African-American community where we all kind of pushed each other because we understood each other's struggles when we were going through college. And then when I got to work, it was not the same issues, but similar. I also think because I was younger in my space, you know, I was looked at as just like the new kid who doesn't know anything in some respects. So I definitely had to work hard to just prove that I knew what I was talking about. I value those experiences because they taught me how to have a backbone Mm -hmm. and how to trust my gut. So I knew that I was going to work hard to read up on the latest concepts or make sure whenever I designed something that I was designing it with the right principles in mind. So I was always proud of my work and I stood by that and I challenged people that would not respect it. And, you know, it led to great conversations. Sometimes it led for me learning things and I changed those designs for the right reasons, but it wasn't because I was a black woman or a young black woman. It was because it needed to be improved because of the merit of the work. So it taught me a lot of valuable lessons. It's definitely intimidating. Sometimes it's discouraging to be the only one in the room, but it teaches you to make sure that you're representing that those people in the best way possible all the time. Yeah. Just listen to you talk, I come to a point
0: where just I cannot wait. I'm not just sure one in our lifetime this is going to happen, but I cannot wait till we get to that one point as a humanity where we're like, we don't question what color or what gender they were. They're like, oh, cool. A person did this. Awesome. Yeah. And we don't have to say, was it a black person? Was it a white person? Was it a Hispanic person? Was it an Asian person? I, I cannot wait until we stop taking away. It's great to see, but I cannot wait until we're all in this equal playing field where race and gender no longer are a factor, where you just take in consideration, wow, you invented that. That's awesome. Okay, next person. Do you know what I mean?
1: Absolutely.
0: I'm not too sure if this is coming from a wife privilege or just a very frustrated as a teacher or just I'm so sick and tired of the racist and just bias of people. I just, I cannot wait until we get to that in our humanity. I've just, I'm, that's one thing I pray for.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's nice. Like even, you know, we were talking about Being the first, like now we have the first African-American Black vice president. And it's so amazing to celebrate that. But it's also sad to say, okay, it's 2021. And in the history of our culture, in our country, you know, this is the first time we've ever seen anything different. So it's kind of bittersweet, but, you know, we're making a step in the right direction. So that's always something to celebrate. I don't know, we have a long way to go, but
0: you're right. Maybe I'm naive to think that way. I just can't wait till we get to that point, right? And I think I see that because my students, they look at it, right? And they just, they're like, cool. Yeah, They're just like,
1: it's somebody who did this. This is awesome. I don't think it's naive at all. I think we have to remain hopeful. You know, we have to remain hopeful, but not just keep the hope, but to do the work. People like you and myself and others that are doing amazing things to kind of expose these differences and these gaps that we have. It's not just being the hopeful person, but also stepping up to doing the work. So, you know, I'm inspired and I'm encouraged to know that we have allies that are trying to change the narrative and that we're all working together to make things better. And I just want to go, you said about, you know, again,
0: I'm just talking about experience, but, you know, where I teach is in a very transit neighborhood. The opportunities for my students look a lot different from the students who are probably in a more affluent neighborhood. And especially when it comes to science. And I guess, did you see that growing up as well, too? Like children, especially say you grew up in a more African-American neighborhood. Those opportunities were different, I guess you would say, than from a more of a white affluent neighborhood. I guess my question is, like, once these opportunities are there... Would you think we'll see more representation of children or people in science once those opportunities are presented to them in education?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in my community, And I live in St. Louis, Missouri. So one of the running jokes is that people never leave. (laughs) And it is true. Like if you're born here, you often take jobs in your local neighborhood. You stay in the area and you typically don't move. There's nothing wrong with that. But the challenge is if you don't see great things in your neighborhood and all you see is your neighborhood, you never see anything beyond it. And so when we don't have great companies or opportunities, like where we were from and what we can see, it limits our ability to think about what we can do. And Mm -hmm. so I encourage people and I encourage people to think outside of their neighborhoods. And that's why I say teachers expose your kids to as much as you can, because they may not see anything besides maybe a basketball player or a rapper or, you know, something that their parent may do They may not ever know what those things are. I personally had no idea what an engineer was. I don't think I heard the word until I was in junior high school and my teacher mentioned it to me and started to teach me about it. Hmm. When I went to engineering school, I had no clue what I was doing. I wanted to go because I knew they made a lot of money and I knew that they changed, you know, they solved problems and changed the world hmm. And so had I never been introduced to the word engineer, I never would have been able to find out what they do. And even when I was in college, there are so many different type of engineers. I would literally call my mom every week and say, I have no clue which one I want to be. I'm kind of stuck. I just and cry because I was confused and I had never been exposed to it, which is why, you know, when I share things on my book platforms, I don't just share things about engineering or my story. I want to expose kids to as many types of engineers or as many types of doctors, as many types of careers that a math professional can do. And, you know, just different experiences that they may never hear about. Yeah, That's great advice. It's true. And
0: I I agree with you. And I said, that's the biggest frustration for me as a teacher is that I see how money does, unfortunately, play into a child's ability to, you don't see their full potential. Mm -hmm. If all kids were given the proper and all the same equal playing fields, we would see a lot more professional kids out there. Like, and we wouldn't have to worry about how to get to school, how to pay for school, how to pay for technology, how to pay for different tools that they need in order to succeed but unfortunately it's still how education is like I think in some parts of the world education is valued more than other parts of the world and that you know as a teacher myself I unfortunately where I'm at like I don't have all the advanced technology like I don't have a smart board in my classroom I have to bring my own computer in
1: Mm -hmm. because there's
0: not enough iPads or computers for kids is 2021. It's like, how can this be? We're in a large city. We're in Toronto. And you know, what I mean, I just like, like, we need to start really valuing students and the best of students. If we want to raise better students and children, we need to give them all the opportunities and equal opportunities for that to happen. That's not happening yet. You know, yes, teachers are great, but we need to give teachers resources as well to help them and the students. I still don't see that personally in myself, in my classroom. And in my community, we don't see that.
1: I agree. It takes away, like now you have to think about how can you provide those resources to teach the right lessons versus mm-hmm. how you just teach the right lesson in the best way possible. And it's funny, you know, as a teacher, myself and
0: other teachers may be listening, I love science. I'm never really great at math, but science is always something I've always loved. I love creating stuff and I love doing science with my young ones. And once we finish curriculum, usually at the end of the year, we do all the fun science stuff like making slime looking at space like we look at rocks we look at all the fun stuff which i think kids love like we're doing right now structures and engineering and the students love it right we're building things and it's so funny to see my students i'm not saying all but the majority of my female students how creative and what they were thinking outside the box and the things that they were creating was unbelievable and the details they did and i've been seeing this now I don't know how many years I've been teaching grade one. Every time I do this structures and engineering part of this unit for math, the girls always do so well. They're so creative. And like, they literally make little doors and chimneys and just like everything. They just, my cousin one day came in and she's an architect designer. And she came in one day for a fun kind of like career day. And she came in and she was running his lesson. She turned to her, she's like, these girls are blowing the boys out of the water in here. Their structures are amazing. I said, yeah. And this is stuff that they were given, like, I gave them, like, this like said a couple years ago before COVID hit. Tissue boxes, paper towel rolls, everything like that. And they were got these materials, they drew up the blueprints, and they created these structures. It was absolutely amazing to see that. And so I love doing the science part of my class, and I love doing it, and I love STEAM and STEM centers. So as a teacher and as somebody who is an engineer... What advice would you give for teachers to create maybe like a STEM club? Do you think it'd be beneficial for teachers to run these type of clubs for elementary school teachers and students?
1: I absolutely do. I think it would be phenomenal and I would love to see more students try or more teachers and schools adopt this approach. I am an engineer, so I feel like I have some insight into, you know, things that kids would need or just, even some affirmations and positive reinforcement to be able to push them in that direction. But teachers are really the ones who understand the concepts and how to build on top of them and how to really put those concepts together in a right way so that those students are well-rounded. I'm a huge advocate of partnering with the professionals to make sure that kids get what they need. You know, I do my part in the role model space and the basics, but teachers absolutely know how to build those things and put them together. So the partnerships are great, but, you know, I always inspire educators to feel empowered and don't feel like because you don't have a science degree or, you know, you haven't been a rocket scientist or something like that, to feel like you aren't empowered or capable of teaching those subjects. That's actually a good idea. Like we have the Ontario
0: Science Center here, not too far from where our school is, so Probably a great opportunity maybe for teachers to reach out, maybe to like local universities and engineering students where they can come in to do stuff with the students.
1: Yeah, the best way to to approach it is, is just what you said, but teachers can teach the core concepts and then those engineers or those people out in the field can help them relate that to real world. Mm-hmm. Kids know they need math, but they don't know when the heck they're going to use it in life. And so yeah. some, they don't value it. Yeah, yeah. You can really take those structures and engineering activities that those kids love and be able to tie it to something real that they can do and make a great living for themselves, you know, in the future. It makes them probably want to focus more on understanding it and it kind of gives them some real world examples of how they can actually use that and it's not a waste of their time. That is so true.
0: It just made me think because along with doing the structures and engineering with my grade ones, we were talking about community helpers and talking about different careers. And this one little girl. She said that she wants to be a journalist. And then she says, I want to be a journalist slash doctor slash TV host. That's what she told me yesterday. She's like, I want to be a doctor slash, you know, reporter slash you know, like TV hosts. I'm like, okay. She's like, I'm just gonna see which one goes well first. And like, this is like a seven year old. I'm like, okay, yeah, you do that, right? And so it's great to see that because she's getting, I guess now we're give more exposure, and that's like exactly you say, like it's exposure to stuff. So because I've been presenting more books to them and like show them different videos on different careers, mm-hmm. so it's seeing the exposure which comes in hand right so and the
1: reality of it is she can be a doctor who has a youtube channel Mm -hmm. and also talks about it and then she's a doctor who has a tv show or a show and is a journalist so there's not as far-fetched as we think Mm -hmm. you're right but i do like the idea about especially exposure for i think that's
0: really big for teachers that they're too stuck in their comfort zone where they don't want to explore. But I think it's a great idea that teachers do get out of their comfort zone and start reaching out to other communities or other educational places where we can make bonds and connections, where we can bring in these professionals into the classrooms to show them, like, hey, this is what an engineer looks like. Hey, this is what a neuroscientist looks like. Do you know what I mean? I think it's a great
1: idea. And I'll tell you from my perspective, we love it. <laughs> As a professional, as someone who's underrepresented in the space, who wants to make sure that I'm going back and encouraging other people and changing the landscape for girls to get into a space like this. It is my favorite thing to do. It is one of the best things about me being an engineer is being able to be a mirror for other people to know that they can do it. So I am always open. I'm pretty sure that I speak for my colleagues and other people that are in similar spaces. They are more than happy to partner and do that if they have the time.
0: I don't want to put you on the spot, but maybe I can have you come in to do a Skype call with my students to talk about engineering for careers. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) My kids will be like, wow, that is so cool. They're going to be interested first off that you're engineering, but also you're an author because we love to read in my classroom. So they're going to probably ask you a lot of questions about the books. Yes. <laughs> they love to read, oh. which is awesome. Oh my gosh. I can just go on and on. Okay. Well, can you give any advice now for any teacher who's teaching science and maybe listen to this podcast? What advice can you give them right now?
1: One piece of advice I can give is to be inspired, be confident in yourself. Like I said, these concepts, you don't have to be an engineer or a doctor or anything to inspire your kids to go down those paths. You guys are the first line of defense, amazing rock stars, and you are more than capable of teaching it without feeling self-conscious about doing it. Thank you so much. And we can say like, I'm
0: sure your teachers are so proud of you to see what you have done and what you've created and what you are still creating i'm sure like they're so probably like waiting to see the great next thing that you're gonna be doing because i'm telling you right now this is amazing to see for myself what i'm taking away from this is representation and to see female representation is
1: amazing to see this my teachers are absolutely still proud of me and they still support me to this day my chemistry teacher her name is miss don hill she edited you want to give her a shout out I do want to give Miss Dawn Hill uh, from Jennings School District a huge shout out. She was one of the first people I shared about my book, and she has always been on me about my grammar, and she edited the first draft of my book. There was nobody else that I would call, and even when I was in college, she would send me little helpers to get me through Kim and, you know, advanced Kim. They don't just inspire when you have them. They continue to inspire throughout their life, so I'm hoping I'm making them proud as well.
0: Oh, that's so great to hear. So as a teacher myself, I guess people don't know that already. So in my classroom, I would like to do is after a student does a presentation, I like to do is called two stars and a wish. Two stars are like things that you were very proud of that we liked about this person's presentation. But I flip it around for my guests. What are two stars for yourself or for your maybe your career or field? And what is a wish that you want to see?
1: Yeah, so my two stars would be first one. I love how creative I get to be in this space. And I love to see little girls light up when they read my story or see me as a role model and see themselves through me. And I wish that we continue to have allies to fight alongside us in changing how the landscape of STEM and STEAM is in our world.
0: That's amazing. That is so well said. Thank you so much. That's amazing. So for my listeners, how can they find more information about you? I'm gonna be posting a link where to find your book, but if people want to find out more of what you are doing and watch what you're doing, the amazing things that you have coming and going in your life, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, so we are on Facebook and Instagram as at the Steam Queen. So at the t h e s t e a m. Q-U-E-E-N-S on everything. We also have a website it's www.thesteamqueens.com and we are continuing to add really fun resources to our Facebook, Instagram, and our website on a regular basis just to keep going full steam ahead.
0: (laughs) I love it. Well, thank Thank you for coming on today's episode. I am so excited and so honored to have you as my third guest. This is amazing to have someone like you to come on my podcast. So thank you for taking the time and sitting down and educating us and giving myself and my listeners all the inspiration that we need to keep on doing what we do which is teaching and hopefully to inspire other students so thank you for joining me thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure speaking with you today okay friends so come back again in two weeks where we're going to have another special guest and like I said keep on inspiring because you never know who you are going to inspire to be the next great author slash engineer in your classroom take care guys